Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Grace this weekend. It is uh, an interesting weekend, right? We're meeting together live online and grateful that you are joining the church family together and, uh, and watching uh, these services and our teaching. It's, it's been a crazy week here, and it's a crazy week uh, kind of all over the country right now. And so obviously here at Grace, we're adjusting to that as well. But I'm grateful we have this medium to, to interact with, right? And we can still be together and to connect with each other. And I'm grateful that, uh, that you decided to join us. Hey, as we get rolling here, I want to just give you um, a few like announcements and instructions that will um, help us orient here these, these next few weeks, right? All, all kinds of things uh, in our culture right now are closing down from the schools to sporting events, everything. You're, you're living it too. And Grace needs to participate in that. So, uh, but we want to stay connected with each other. So just a couple things that will help you do that and remind you of that. Uh, first of all, during, during this time where this coronavirus kind of working its way through our part of the country, the big, big tool for you is the website. Uh, so if you go to the website and find the Bath Campus there, uh, if you really dial into that and you look at the view updates part of the Bath Campus website, there you're going to find everything that you need that will help you navigate uh, th this few weeks that we're going to be closed down to our public meetings. So everything you need with youth ministries, uh, children's ministries, uh, adult ministries, life groups, all that kind of stuff is going to be right there on that website. And we'll kind of be releasing information and instruction through uh, that part of our website. So just make that a habit and tie into that and it will it'll help you get through things. Uh, as you go through all that, you'll, you'll get kind of the, the specific things that you're looking for and that you may need help with or direction on. But I also want you to know that our offices are remaining open. We're not closing our offices at this point. So you can always email, always text, always call in and let us know what's going on. Of course, if you have an emergency, if there's been a, someone has passed away and there's a funeral or someone's in the hospital or any kind of crisis in your family or your relationships, just interact with your pastoral team the way that you normally would. And give us a call and, and help us uh, to know how we can best serve you and connect with you. And the plan right now is that our offices will be open uh, all through uh, this, this weird time that we're going through right now. The other thing that I would ask you to remember, of course, as we're going through this, even though we're not gathering together, is if you would remember your giving. It's important, right? Our, our part of the country is shut down. But our campuses in other parts of the country, our missionaries in other parts of the world, all the things that kind of is Grace Church continue to happen. So if you don't have your GraceLink account set up yet, uh, go back into that, that website and go to that, that view updates page. And at the very bottom of that are all the instructions that you need uh, to help make sure that, that uh, you're able to give to God's work as we continue to, to do what God has called us to do, even though we're in this time of closing down our, our very public services. And then guys, we wanna serve you and help you. So if, if you're feeling sick or you're having trouble with childcare or, 
or you have an elderly loved one that you need help checking on or a phone call made to, again, the, the, the church offices are a place that, that you can reach out to and we will help you and navigate you to people uh, the best that we can through that time. So here, uh, what, what I kind of decided to do this weekend was a little bit different. I decided to, to take a pause in our, our normal series, our all, Going All Out series. We're actually going to pick that back up again next weekend. Uh, so next weekend, I'm going to lay out for you what the edition is going to look like and when we're going to break ground and, and how that's going to affect kind of our normal services when we're gathering together. And we'll walk that through next weekend because all that's going to happen, right? So the, this, this virus is going to work its way through. The, the need to be distant from each other is going to go away eventually. And so grace is going to continue on kind of business as usual and doing the hard work of loving people and trying to reach them. And so we'll get back to that series next weekend. And I'll give you all those updates and we'll dig into God's word. Remember our motivation for all that. And then as this plays out, we'll, we'll play it by ear a little bit, you know, see when things kind of peak out and when they're going down and, and when we feel like it's kind of healthy and safe to gather again. But this weekend, I really thought we should take the time to, to get our head around how we as people of God respond to something like this in our culture, right? So this is, this is the elephant in every room. Uh, everybody's talking about Corona. Every business is being affected. The schools are being affected. Your home is being affected by, by the conversation or the thought process that's kind of surrounding what's going on with this virus. And so as people of God, how would we think to navigate this? Why, why would we make decisions? How would we position ourselves kind of individually and even corporately so that, that we're honoring Christ and loving and leading our culture in the process. And, and that's what I wanna talk about this weekend and, and help you kind of have a framework that you can get your, your personal life around. If you're a leader, a teacher, a business owner, whatever, the, get the people that follow you, kind of get their head around it. And, uh, and even be one that can kind of lead the conversation with your, with your roommate and your friends so that they can have a good and a healthy and a Christ-like perspective on this, this crisis that we're going through corporately together as a, as a community and even as a, as a country. Uh, you know, the temptations are always out there for us to respond different ways. And we're seeing that, right? You see it on social media, you see it on television, you see it at the stores. And so there's always these different temptations. There's a temptation to respond in great fear, Right. And, and, and those temptations we're going to wrestle with, too, the, the idea of like, let's panic and let's buy all the toilet paper kind of a thing. Let's wipe everything out. There's always that temptation to respond in great fear. And we know that that's not where Christ would want us to be. The other temptation is kind of to respond with great cynicism. Like this is dumb. Why are we canceling everything? This is a total overreaction it's ridiculous. I don't think that's where Christ would want us to be either. And then there even is the temptation to respond in a, in a bit of like a spirit of rebellion. 
I was reading an article about a guy who had the coronavirus and because he thought everybody was overreacting to it and he just thought it was dumb, he went around purposely coughing on people. And he's like, I'm just, I'm just going to rebel. I'm not going to be a part of it because it's my attitude about it. And those are the things that are kind of out there in our culture. Is that who Jesus would want his people to be? Is that the way we would respond so what would he want and how would he teach us and what would he and how would he want us to respond? So let's talk about this for a second. In, in times of uncertainties, because this won't be the last time, right? With it, the, it won't be the coronavirus next time. It'll be something else. And a generation ago, it was 9-11 and everything that happened there. The generation before that, it was the Vietnam War and all the social change. The generation before that, it was... It was World War II and then kind of everything in between. It's not uncommon at all for a country or a culture to kind of be shaken. And so during those times, how do the people, how do the people God respond? How do we navigate through those uncertain times? So here's some principles that I, I found in scripture. I just want to show you. This is the first thing I kind of thought of was this, that the people of God during uncertain times we act with wisdom, not fear. We act with wisdom, not fear. There's a great Proverbs. Proverbs 13 says this, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. This idea of it's just dumb, it's total cynicism, or the spirit of like rebellion. That's not where God's at. And this panic, the spirit of fear, and let's build a bunker and make sure that we have plenty of ammo kind of a thing. That, that's not where God's at either. But I do think he would look at his people and say, when we go through uncertain times, let's use wisdom as we go through them and let's take appropriate advice and heed it, right? We do this all the time. There's nothing unusual about taking advice. We would do this financially. Uh, we would sit down with a financial investor or advisor and we would take their advice. Uh, we do this with, the, with our cars. My, my mechanic, John, when John gives me advice about my car, I take his advice. If he looks and says, hey, you should think about getting some new tires or hey, you should do this maintenance on it. I would take his advice. It's, there's wisdom found in that. And we also do this medically all the time, right? All the time. When the doctor says, hey, you should cut back your cholesterol or, or hey, I think I should put you on this prescription or why don't you try, try this supplement? We, we take that advice all the time. It's not panic and it's not cynicism and it's not rebellion. It's wisdom. We would take the advice of those who we would trust. And we wouldn't look at those people and say, well, you're overreacting or you're trying to control me or you're trying to push me around. We would take that advice. We would weigh it and we would work it into our lives in the ways that we deemed appropriate and necessary. And I look at this situation we're in right now with the coronavirus and I'm like, that, that's what I see. I don't, I don't have a lot of fear about it. 
Uh, I don't have a ton of cynicism about it, although I'll be honest with you, that would tend to be my natural bent to be cynical about it. I don't want to be rebellious about it, but I do want to look and say, man, there's a lot, a lot of medical professionals who are giving us advice. Uh, There's governmental officials who are giving us advice and I want to act in a spirit of wisdom. I want to heed that advice, not be terrified by it, but also not be cynical about it, but heed it and weave it into my life in an appropriate way. Now, we also, right now in Ohio, we, ha- we have this extra measure where the governors come out and said, hey, I'm going to ban all gatherings of 100 people or more. And that's not an easy thing for us to hear as North Americans. We do not like our government telling us what to do, where we can go and what we can do and, and when we can do it. And that, that tends to feed that cynicism or, or that fear, right? If the government thinks this, then... And I would look and say, actually, in a situation like this, the Bible would tell us that the government is actually playing the role... God calls them to play. It's fascinating what the Bible says in Romans 13. He says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And the passage goes on. I encourage you to read the whole chapter, but Paul is saying this. He's saying, listen, it's God who establishes authorities He put them in place or allows them to be in place so they can protect and serve the people that they rule over. Now, if that authority ever goes against the teaching of God's word, the people of God look at Christ as a higher authority. We would not cooperate with a government who was pushing against or demanding that we violate our moral consciences. But when a government comes out and says, hey, guys, we have a crisis. We're worried about it. This is a solution. The rules apply to everybody, not just the church, but everybody. It is the role of a Christ follower to be subject to that, right? Where we would be supportive or we would be cooperative. We see what they're doing. I understand why they're doing it. It makes sense. It's probably the only thing they can really do. And so we would cooperate with that. And we would use wisdom in that, right? Not not fear, not all amped up, not cynicism and rebellion, but we would take that advice and we would apply it kind of into our our hearts. And so as a Christ follower, that's where I want to be, right? I want to look at that and I want to say, hey, what does it mean to gather? Uh, What does it mean to to put some distance, what should I listen to? How should I be supportive? How should I be dialed in? And it doesn't mean that we're kind of being passive or just allowing ourselves to be bossed around, but we are being subject to what they're asking us to do. And really guys, that's why we canceled services here for the next few weeks and why we're meeting online right now because we're trying to cooperate. We, we get what the governor is trying to do. We understand it. It makes sense. We have individual thoughts, ideas, and opinions about it. That's fine. But we don't want to be fearful. We don't want to be cynical. 
We want to act in a spirit of wisdom and we want to cooperate with what the government's trying to do and how they're trying to lead us in this, right? And that is actually a, a very biblical place to be as the people of God. That's part of how we would navigate un, uncertain times. The other big piece of this that, that I wanted us to look at was, was more personal, kind of less corporate and kind of very, very personal. And I think this is a huge one for all of us as followers of Jesus. And it's this idea that we choose to trust in Christ. This is big. We choose to trust in Christ and we lean on what he's doing and we lean on his instructions for our lives. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, pretty well-known passage. Maybe you've heard it before. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. So when I'm going through times of uncertainty in my own life, as a Christ follower, my first response is to put my trust in the Lord. Uh, not myself, not ultimately the government, not ultimately even the medical professional, but my trust in the Lord. So when this, when this angst kicks up in our heart during these uncertain times, I'm looking back to my relationship with Christ and saying, God, you, you are in control. You know what the outcome's gonna be. And I'm gonna trust and love you as I navigate these waters, right? Because this is a, this is a weird situation, right? When, when's it gonna be over? Nobody knows. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the full effect of it gonna be? Well, nobody knows. Uh, how, how bad is it going to? Nobody knows. And so we have to trust in the Lord. And, and I'll tell you, for, for many of us, the, the, the greatest fear is not the virus. The greatest fear is the economic outplay that the virus causes. So some of us are way more worried about our jobs right now than we're worried about getting sick. And we're way more worried. If you've got a small business right now, you're worried. Heidi and I have a small businesses. We're worried right now, right? It's hard to navigate these things. If you just retired and you're watching your, uh, your investments go up and down all over the place, your bigger fear is what's going on there than what's going on kind of with the virus. And the answer to all of that uncertainty is the exact same. It's to trust in the Lord, right? So that becomes a bit of a discipline, Right? Because trusting in the Lord is not always an easy thing to do. Uh, we tend to trust ourselves quickly. We tend to look for answers quickly. If I could figure this out or I could kind of make this go the way that I wanted to go, then that's what I would do. But the idea that we would, we would kneel first, we would pray, we would seek the scriptures for a directive, we would seek wise, godly counsel that we would trust in the Lord first does not always come natural to us, but it is to be the response of the Christ follower. Now, when I say it doesn't always come natural to us, I wanna, I wanna elaborate on that for a second because the idea that it doesn't come natural for us can, can kick up kind of guilt in us. And I believe it's a false guilt. 
where we can look and say, ah, oh, man, if my faith was deeper, I wouldn't be so worried about my business right now. Or if, my, if I had a, a better relationship with God, then, then I wouldn't have to deal with like the, the, the outcome of whether I'm going to get sick with a virus or not. And thankfully, God knows us and knows that that tends to be like a frailty of ours. And so he actually instructs us what to do. Uh, if you've got your Bibles and or your phones open there, just real quick, turn to James chapter one. So James chapter one. And James chapter one is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I probably quote this part of the Bible to, to myself and to other people more than any other part of the Bible, right? So you got it? All right, James chapter one. Verse two, this is what James says, the apostle James, what God says through him. He says this, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. A trial is anything from the tragic to the trivial. So the worst case scenario, the economy collapses and everybody's horribly sick to the trivial. This was an inconvenient thing and it kind of wasn't what we thought it was gonna be. So he says, consider it joy whenever you face trials of any kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What James is saying is another version of this. He's saying you count it joy because when your faith is tested, it matures you, it completes you, Trust in the Lord, but that's hard to do. And the next verse, verse five, is fascinating what James says. He says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault. If you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault and it will be given to you. And then James goes on, you should read the rest of the chapter. James goes on, he says, but if you ask God and he gives you wisdom, don't waffle. Don't go back and forth or be blown and tossed by the wind. What's James saying here? He's saying, listen, when you're facing a trial, which we all are, at a, at a minimum, we're inconvenienced, at a minimum. At a maximum, some of us are gonna get or are already sick or we're gonna get nailed financially or it's coming, right? So the tragic to the trivial, everything in between, I'm gonna count it joy because God's working in me. I have to trust him in that. And when I'm not sure how to trust him, if I lack wisdom, I ask God, God help me, show me, teach me how to trust you, God will give it without finding fault. Isn't that comforting? God doesn't expect us to know all the answers. He doesn't expect us to know how to navigate through something that we've never navigated through before. He, he's not sitting there critiquing our work. He's reaching his hand out and saying, let me help lead you through this. I will make your paths straight, right? And so when we're nervous or scared or frustrated or upset, tragic to the trivial, anything in between, we reach out for that hand of God. We trust in the Lord. We ask for the wisdom and he makes our path straight. He walks us through 
these uncertain times and helps us to be Christ-like and godly and make the decisions that he wants us to make so we can be the people that he's called us to be, right? That's a big one. So we're, gonna, we're not gonna be fearful. We're gonna act in wisdom. And then we're gonna, we're gonna have to look and say, wait a minute, we're, we're a people of faith. We're different. So we, we don't go hoard things and we don't, aren't scared all the time and we're not freaking out and we're not being cynical and rebellious and we're acting in wisdom and faith and we're reaching to our God, prayer, the scripture, fellow believers, and we're walking through these uncertain waters together. And that would be a, a hallmark of the people of God. It's the way that we would function and, and what we would be known for, right? Now, here's the last thing I, I want us to, to hear. And I think this is a big one, especially as a, as a church family. This is, this is a big, big thing. We, uh, we put this phrase together as a church, and I want, I want you to kind of drill this into your brain, all right? Ready? Look intently into the computer screen, all right? Or your television. I want you to drill this into your brain. Here it is. We want to do this. We have paused programming, but we want to pursue relationships. We are pausing programming as a church, but we are pursuing relationships. We're pausing programming. We're pursuing relationships. You should get a tattoo of that and wear it proudly all throughout the coronavirus epidemic. We're pausing programming, but we are pursuing relationships. There is nothing that's happening in our world right now or in our town or in our state that is keeping us from pursuing relationships. This is the beauty of living in the time that we live in. That through the phone, through the computer, through Skype, through Zoom, and even through individual meeting up, if you're feeling good and you're feeling healthy, we can continue to pursue relationships with each other and relationships with the people around us. And this is the third thing that I, I think really is the hallmark of God's people during difficult times. I said it this way, we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. There, there's nothing happening that's preventing us from that or that would keep us from loving our neighbor as ourselves. In fact, I would look at what's going on with the coronavirus and kind of what's going on in our culture and say the opportunities to love our neighbor as ourselves are actually stronger than they've been before. And when we take advantage of those opportunities, it causes us to stand out differently as the people of God. I love this passage, Jesus, Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. If you are a Christ follower, you are the light of the world. The world, whether it's going normally as it kind of always does, or the world where the coronavirus is the conversation and is changing our social patterns. You're still the light of whatever world you're in. You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. The, the great testimony of the people of God is not our public gatherings, right? Public gatherings are important and we will get back to them as soon as we're able to. It, it's, we're all gonna miss it and we're all gonna be really happy to be together again like we normally are. But public gatherings are not the main testimony of the people of God. 
us being the light of the world, us having a different hope, us being people of wisdom, us not being people of fear, us being people of faith who trust the Lord, that's the main testimony of the people of God. And that cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light on a stand and put it under a bowl. We don't hide from everybody. Instead, we put it on its stand and it gives light to everybody in the house in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. So this is an incredible opportunity for us as individual followers of Jesus and as a church to do just this. It's to let our light shine before others so that they can see our good deeds, that our faith is, isn't just rooted in, in, in our life when everything goes the way we want it to. That our faith isn't just like a social construct, right? We're not just people who show up at the same building at a regularly scheduled time once a week. That's not who we are. Uh, we're not teenagers who love Jesus because we can go to merge on Wednesday nights. We're not college students who are interested in Christ because we can go to collective on Thursdays. Uh, we're not neighbors who love each other solely because we can have life groups or Bible studies or sports ministry classes whenever we want. We're different than all that. Those are, those are meetup points and gathering points and they're fun and they're important, but they actually don't define us. When we let our light shine before, before men and they see our good deeds, that's when they're seeing our faith kind of in its purest and, and most tangible form. So what does that mean? That means that I, I need to allow my light to shine through all of this. We need to allow our lights to shine to each other. And it's a testimony. We need to stay connected, text, call. You can get together in each other's homes if you're feeling good, right? There's no prohibition on that. Be connected to each other and care for and love each other. If there are people who are more vulnerable and that are in the church and you know about them, check on them, run an errand for them, go help them with the yard or the dog or whatever, right? Use all the appropriate precautions that, that is being laid out there. Use wisdom, but love each other as the body of Christ during this time and let your light shine that way. Let your trust in Christ shine. So some of this is very, very frustrating for me too, right? One of the hardest decisions I've ever made is to shut a church down that has over 20,000 people connected to it. That, that's not fun at all. It's frustrating to me. It's stressful to me to do that. And your business and the kids at home for a month and what do we do with childcare and all that kind of stuff, it's frustrating and it's stressful. But our light shines when we trust God, when we find joy, when we create unique opportunities and include other people into it. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about and proud about, I'm watching a lot of you guys online, Facebook, Instagram, mostly where I hang out online. And I'm watching you say things like this. Hey, if your kids get school lunches and they don't have them for the next three weeks, pop them over and I'll make lunch for them. I love that. A lot of you are putting out, uh, I saw one post and, and she said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of privileged to be a stay-at-home mom. So if you're not a stay-at-home mom and you need help with your kids, 
I'll help you with your kids. I love that. That, that is letting your light shine before others with your good deeds. And that, that's simply the body of Christ, just like loving each other and being different with it and, and caring for each other in a different way. One lady even put up, she's like, if you can't find toilet paper, we have some extra. And that was probably the most liked and important post that was out there, right? But I love that. Like that's where we share with each other. We care for each other. We help each other through that and it causes our light to shine before other people. And then what I would say is this, do that for our neighbor or our world around us also, 100%, right? The church does that for each other. It's important that we do, but let's use this as an opportunity to make Jesus make sense. Let, let's help out someone. When, when you're at work and somebody's fearful and scared or your roommate's fearful or scared, literally stop and say, can I pray for you right now? Let's just pray together and share your hope with them. Uh, when, when you think about like your three that you're praying for all the time, it's a great opportunity to grab a cup of coffee with them or connect with them, right? It's a great time to, to build relationships. We're programming, we're pausing programming, but we're pursuing relationships. And when we serve and we love and we're generous, our light shines before men and God is glorified in a, in a very special way, right? So we're gonna be this way for a while, right? We're gonna, we're gonna be pausing programming, at least here for the next few weeks. Um, and, and it's just what we need to do. It's no, it's, it's no big deal. It's the wise thing to do. We're gonna do it. Next weekend, I'm going to get back into like our series. Like we're just going to have church online here for a while. It'll be fun. And so we'll have some worship and some connection and some announcements and all that kind of stuff. And then I'll, I'll continue to walk you through. So it's going to be a blast next week. I'm going to tell you all about the new building and the, grand, and the, the groundbreaking and all that kind of stuff. And I'll fill you in on that next weekend. We're going to pause programming and we will open programming back up as soon as it's prudent and wise to do that but we're going to pursue relationships. So do this like more heavily than ever, right? And it may have to be through text. It may have to be through social media. If you're able to gather together and everybody's healthy, then do that, right? But tie into each other, serve each other, love each other, do that for the world around you and allow God to use that as a testimony through this, this whole crisis. You know, when this all hit a, a few weeks ago, I, I was reminded of some church history, right? Um, and something fascinating happened in the history of the early church. So Jesus died and he rose again. And if you know church history a little bit, after he went back to heaven, uh, persecution broke out into the church. In fact, the book, the book of James is written to the 12 tribes scattered. So Jews who became Christians who were persecuted and had to run for their lives. So persecution kind of broke out and the church was really looked at without much respect or care. Uh, people thought that the, the early people of the church were just kind of nuts because they like worshiped a guy who was executed by the government and then they said he rose again from the dead. So for most, most people who weren't Christians, it was just kind of this crazy story that they, they kind of held to or believed in. Then something, something fascinating happened. About 
uh, several decades after Jesus went back to heaven, the plague swept through the Roman Empire. And so if you remember church history or know about it a little bit, the early Christians were persecuted by the Jewish faith and then they, the, the Jewish leaders. And then they were also persecuted by the Roman Empire. And the Black Plague kind of swept through the Roman Empire and something fascinating happened. <clears throat> when the plague came through, all of the powerful and the wealthy left. They all got out of town because they were able to. And who was left behind is, we would say it this way, was the middle class and the poor. The, the people who didn't have the means to just like shutter their businesses and take off to their country villas. When the powerful and the wealthy fled and the middle class and the poor were left, do you know who else stayed? The other people who stayed and dealt with that sickness were Christians. You know why Christians stayed? Ready? Because Christians aren't afraid of death. So by, by virtue of our belief system, we're not afraid to die because we believe that when we die, we just go to be with the Lord. So we actually, Paul actually says, when we die, what is mortal is swallowed up by life. So that's why Christians have such bravery. We don't function in fear because we're not afraid of those things. The Christians stayed and they cared for those who had the plague and helped to nurse them through that difficult time. Now, the Christians were not immune. Many of them got the plague and lost their lives as well. They just weren't afraid. And they let their light shine before men and Christ was glorified because of it. And what happened was fascinating. When the plague finished its course and the powerful and the wealthy came back, their cities had changed because suddenly Christians weren't loopy. They were trusted friends who could be counted on regardless of the trial that they were a part of. This is where I want us to be as a church. And this is where we should be as individual followers of Christ. We should absolutely exercise wisdom. No, no question about it. But we are not people of fear. We are people of faith. Christ followers, by the, by the very nature of who we are, we are not defined by our circumstances. We're defined by Jesus. So corporately, Christ followers are not defined by circumstances. Christ followers define the circumstances. We lead the culture. We set the pace. We define how we function with each other. And none of that's being affected through this. We, we do not have to have church services every week in order to do that. Instead, we have to be the people that God has called us to be through every moment. And when we do that, God uses it in this really powerful way. And our good deeds bring glory to God and it attracts people who are maybe scared or maybe they're cynical, but it, they, it attracts them to the people who are different in the culture and who are functioning in a way that kind of the rest of the culture around them isn't functioning, right? Guys, through all this, listen, I love you and we love you. And if you need your church, we're here. 
right? Just like we always are. And we'll, we'll get through this just fine. We'll have services here online and we'll continue to talk about the things we would normally talk about. This will pass and we'll hit the ground running and, and it'll be fun to see each other again. In the meantime, let's be the people and be the church God has called us to be. And that's how we'll glorify Christ even through this trial, okay? All right, let me pray for you. Would you bow your head with me? Jesus, we love you very much. We thank you, God, that, that you're bigger than all of it. And so we trust you for it, Lord. And Lord, I, I pray that you protect us as a church. We are vulnerable to certain things. We're human beings that live in frail bodies. And so we want that. We, we ask for health. We ask for protection, not just for ourselves, but for our friends and neighbors and, and countrymen. Lord, we want that. We ask that you guide through even the financial pieces of it, Lord. You, you know how that's, a, that's hard on us. It stresses us and it's difficult to go through that. And so give us wisdom and godliness and even, even discernment about how to support our employees and how to continue to help other people that we lead and that depend on us. But through it all, Jesus, give us a spirit of wisdom and fear and strength and comfort. Uh, Holy Spirit, interact with us deeply in those ways. And grant us the gift of no-brainer moments where we can look at those around us who wonder what the reason for the hope within us is and give us the opportunity to share who you are and why we think and act differently because of that. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for loving us. Guide us together in unison as a church and uh, walk us through individually these uncertain times. In your name we pray, amen, amen.
is the name.